Father, I thank you for the time which is yours, Lord. I study, but I need your strength, Lord. Father, I pray, but I need your power. Would you do for your people and for me what only you can do, Lord? Speak through my lips, Lord, and give us the word that we stand in need of. I thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're in a, we're in a series this morning. So we're continuing our series, week four of our series called Irresistible. Everybody say Irresistible. Our summer book series. I don't want to ask how many people who, ha- who are reading, but I'm, I'm trusting that you are reading the book. And um, it's really, really uh, blessing me. It's, it gives us a little history. It gives us some practical things to think about. Um, this book, Irresistible by Andy Stanley. And if, if you're a leader, you should be a reader. And we all are leaders in one way or another. We're leading families, right? You know, we're leading on our jobs. Leaders are readers. And so every summer, I always challenge you to read a book and, and follow along with me to, to grow. And this is a good one. So anyway, are you ready for the word? Uh, are y'all ready for the word? I'm ready to give it to you. I hope you're ready for it this morning. I want to encourage your faith this morning with uh, where we're going. Um, so we're going to be, I'm going to go right into it. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you or if you want to click there on your phone. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Actually, I actually have two uh, passages I want to focus on today. So you're going to have to click quick or look quick on the screen. Um, so if you'll meet me there, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says this. <clears throat> Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church, the church in Corinth. So Paul is saying this. He says, don't you realize that your body, everybody say your body. Your body, my body. Okay. He says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What Paul is, is, uh, is saying here, he is, he is speaking as if there's something that the church hasn't grasped. He's talking to individuals, but he's saying that there's, there's something that you might not be paying attention to that I need to call your attention to. All right. So there's something that we need to grasp today. And this is what he's saying. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. Mm. He says that you do not belong to yourself. Ooh, we can get tattoos. We can get piercings. We can do all these different things, but you're really just borrowing a body. Right? Verse 20, it says that for God bought you with a price. No. What does the scripture say? It says, for God had bought you with a high price. So you got to look at every word in the scripture. It's been a high price. You cost a lot. And so God bought you with a high price. We know that high price was paid by Jesus Christ, right? So he's reminding the church as individuals. He's talking to individual people. I can imagine Paul in my spiritual imagination. He's just walking around. He's looking at people in the eye. And he's saying, you've been bought with a high price. There's some stuff going on. In the church in Corinth, they're a young church. And he said, you've been, but don't you realize your body's not your own? You've been bought with a high price. A high price. So you must honor your God with your body. You must honor God with your body. So how do we honor him, pastor? I'm going to get you there in a second. Now look with me at our next text, 1 Corinthians 3.16. 1 Corinthians 3.16, if you look quick, I'll speak quick. It says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit 
dwells in you. Again, he's trying to get you to recognize something. He's trying to get you to grasp something. Now he's speaking in this context to the church collectively. So we saw about, we sung about the spirit of the Lord is here. So in this context, he's talking to the collective church group. The first context, he was talking to the individual of the church. Woo. So if you, if you don't mind, I want to remind you this morning that you are a Christian and you're, you're, you're blessed with a sacred deposit inside of you. Man, y'all, y'all didn't get it. Do you not recognize that you are a Christian and you have a sacred deposit inside of you? Oh, man. Oh, man. So if, if I can, I know you probably heard that before, but if I can give you my subject today, my subject today is simply called, Marco, Temples with Pimples. Temples with pimples. See, ladies, you, you, you don't have to worry about being a brick house. Everybody don't look sexy. But the Bible says that you don't have to be a brick house. You can be a temple with pimples. <laughs> Would you tell somebody next to you, I'm just a temple. You're just a temple. And look back and say, with pimples. Yes. You're a temple with pimples. <laughs> so what if, what if the closer I get to God, if I'm a temple, what if the closer that I get to you, the closer I get to God? I said, the closer I get to you, the closer I get to God. The closer I get to you means that God has a, has a, has a radiant presence within you. And the closer in proximity I get to God, when I need God, I should feel his comfort when I'm next to you. But the question I have on the floor, if I can throw a question out there, the question on the floor is, when people are next to you, do they feel the blessed presence of God? That's what I was worried. That's what I was stressing about this week when I was when I was putting this together and I was thinking about all the distractions and things that was going on. And, and sometimes we could walk into a room and, and we could just just omit everybody. We're walking past because we got all these other things and go, that's going on in our mind. And God says, slow down. When people see you, are they blessed because they see his presence? They feel his presence. So you have disappointments. I have disappointments. You have agendas. I have agendas. We have things to get done. But don't forget, don't you recognize, church, that you are a temple because the Holy Spirit lives within you. So when we, when we, when we put God in biblical context, it's easy to see where he belongs. In the Old Testament, God dwelled in tents and tabernacles. That's what they call it. When they would gather around as they exodus through the wilderness, um, when God, God's presence would reside in a tabernacle, they called it, a tent, a specific place in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, God's presence was found in the temple, the church temple. Yeah. But God was never meant to be contained. God was meant to be commuted. I think I went by that too quick. I said, God has never meant to be contained. 
He was meant to be commuted. God is like Visa. Elma, he's like Visa. He's everywhere you want to be. Yeah, yeah. Your God is like that. He's like that. In his book, Irresistible, Andy Stanley points out that the old covenant, and, and, and I want to I teach you a little something here. Is that okay if I teach today? Okay, I want to teach you a little something. In the old covenant, I want to I change the, the verbiage of that. In the old agreement, old covenant, new covenant. Old Testament, new testament. Old agreement, new agreement. Can I teach? Say, teach, pastor. So in the old covenant, it was the old covenant was characterized by spaces and places. Those spaces and places were sacred, right? The tent, the tabernacle, the, the, the temple in the New Testament. But when Jesus came, Jesus changed that. He changed the game. After his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus changed that. that he, he changed the paradigm where we would just go to the temple, and, and the closer in proximity we get to the temple, we'd be in the presence of God. Jesus said, all you got to do is believe and, and trust in a new agreement. So now we have a new agreement. We don't have an old agreement. A, a, a covenant was just a, a, a promise of God on, on God's people. So the new covenant means God has a new agreement with you that you will be forgiven of your sins, and that God will be in relationship with humanity. That's the new agreement. So quit saying Old Testament, New Testament, New, new Testament, New Agreement. But it's not wrong. It just sounds better when you say it like that. God has a new agreement with me. <sighs> okay, stop teaching, Pastor. So, so God wants to be in relationship with us. So this took some getting used to in the first century because in the first and second century, they were all used to going to the temple. You know, there were only certain people, Jews could go into the temple and beyond this wall, the Gentiles couldn't go into. So people are used to their preferences and their privileges. And so people would, you know, would go to the temple and if you couldn't, if you weren't a Jew, you couldn't get into the temple. So you stood in proximity to the temple. And if I was close to it, that was just as good as being in there, Right. Right. So it took some getting used to when Jesus came and a new agreement, it changed everything. The temple was sacred and it was sacred because the presence of God was there. The presence of God. Y'all follow me? I'm going someplace. The presence was God. The presence of God was in the temple. That's what made the temple sacred. Everybody say the presence made it sacred. OK, y'all are tracking with me. So because because the presence of God was there, that meant that meant uh, we have to define what what sacred looks like. So sacred by definition is defined by. Guess what? Presence. I said sacred by definition is defined by presence. Now, I, I know some of you are like me. Um, if we fast forward history, we said we, we have all kinds of things we call sacred now. Right. Y'all got sacred shoes and sacred outfits and <laughs> sacred places I want to be and do my thing. Um, but, but God isn't into sacred locations anymore. He's not into locations. No, no. We, we can have a church of, of, of 1,000. We can have a church of 2,000. That doesn't make it any more sacred than a church of, of three or four. He's, he's not into locations anymore. Uh, sacred places like the temple were replaced by sacred faces. I'm telling you, I'm ready to give it to y'all this morning. Sacred places were replaced by sacred faces like you. But rather than focus on sacred faces, we still want to focus on other sacred places. For example, y'all have your, 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 your sacred favorite team, don't we? My Dallas Cowboys, my beloved Dallas Cowboys. Don't talk about my Cowboys. 
Hey, 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 <laughs> America's team. There was a time where I wouldn't even think of wearing another team's gear to find another team's logo. But, you know, I'm, a, I'm also an Oklahoma Sooner fan. Y'all know that. And so since I had for the last two years my quarterback go number one in the draft and get selected and start in the NFL, so I found myself changing how I, how I viewed uh, my favorite sacred team. So now I'm rooting for the Cleveland Browns and I'm rooting for Arizona Cardinals, you know, and, and my Dallas Cowboys. And um, I, what, I, what I want you to understand is sometimes things change. What we call sacred, it changes, right? Some, sometimes we, we might say that our, a, a sacred place or a sacred thing is, is like uh, the Twin Towers where something tragic happened. That, that's a sacred place, Pastor. Well, it, it was horrible what happened there, but that place is no more sacred than anything else. We, we remember, and, and it's terrible what happened there, and it, it was memorialized, you know, but that's not a sacred place. Sometimes some preachers like to spiritualize, super spiritualize and say, oh, my church building is sacred, or, or the desk, the pulpit behind where I stand and preach, that sacred desk. Growing up, that's what I, I always heard. You know, don't trust who you're going to, you know, don't, don't just allow anybody behind the sacred desk. The desk isn't sacred. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. We call so many things sacred today. But if I can give you an example, in Exodus, when Moses found, was found um, speaking to God in the, uh, near the burning bush, was that a sacred place? Remember, Moses was told by God in God's voice at the burning bush, he said, take your shoes off where you're standing is holy ground. Is that a sacred place? But did Moses walk around with his ro- with a robe and a, and a pitcher, an ectus of the, of the bush on his chest? No. No, no, he didn't. It doesn't, it doesn't say when he got up from the bush that, you know, that, that, that he thought about, oh, I met God there. The bush is sacred. It's a special place. No, no, no. Moses didn't have robes with all his, with, with, with bushes on them. No, why? Because the bush was a bridge. All the bush was, the bush was a place where he met God. The bush was a, was a bridge. It was a place that, 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 that was a bridge between heaven and earth. Gosh, oh gosh. Uh, when, when God's presence descended on the bush, that made it sacred at the time. Man. But the moment you decide to trust Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life and then follow him in baptism. See, when I was little, I was at eight years old, my grandmother took me right to the church and I stood in the baptistry, standing on my toes, water up to here, and they dunked me. Well, they didn't really dunk me. All I had to do was tilt my head back, and I was drowning. Um, but I wasn't. I didn't even. I, I knew of God, but I didn't have a relationship with God. I never said a prayer or said, "God, come into my life, into my heart." Um, but the moment you, you accept Christ and He comes into your heart, and you say, "The Lord, I'm going to follow you. You are my Lord and Savior." At that moment, you follow Him in baptism. Um, at some point, but when you do that, you become a sacred container. And I want you to know why that's important, that you recognize, as Paul was trying to get the Corinth church to recognize. Recognize that you are a sacred container because a container, a container, a container 
is only special when you look at what it contains. Would y'all agree? What makes a container special? Depends on what's in it, right? <laughs> I'm setting y'all up. Um, so when we become Christians, we become a bridge between the sacred and the secular, between heaven and earth. And the good thing about it is we don't have to remove our shoes like Moses did at the bush because for us, God wears them. My, my, my. If you can handle another example, say, I can handle it. In the Garden of Eden, I'm just talking about the sacred. In the Garden of Eden, it was a sacred place. Would you agree? Yeah, it was a sacred place. It was a sacred place between God and humanity. But what made it sacred is the fact that God walked there. Again, sacred can be defined by presence. What made the garden sacred was God walking there. But once sin entered the garden, it also entered our lives. So God placed us, he placed humanity, he placed Adam and Eve outside of the garden so they would never um, forever be away from his presence. That he would have fellowship with us. So in other words, God made another opportunity to have fellowship with us after the Garden of Eden uh, incident. So Jesus comes along. He is the new opportunity. And Jesus says there will be a new covenant with me and the person of Jesus. So in 1 Corinthians, Paul pushes the young church to see, if I can give you some context so you can appreciate the content. Paul pushes the church in Corinth to deal with the problems of living in the pagan society in order to bring unity so Paul, Paul's intent, the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, Paul's intent was that you would internalize his words today. And that's, and that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to internalize what's being said and what's spoken over, over us when God's word is preached. We have been given the spirit of God, which makes, which makes us temples of God, which brings us close to him. But the church in Corinth had a, had a problem. They had a problem that we have today. The church in Corinth had a problem with subleasing their temple subleasing themselves yeah the church the church in Corinth was a young church and they had this problem with subleasing I, I, I can tell by your face that some of you don't understand what subleasing is subleasing means that if I have a facility if I have a building and, I, and, and it's occupied there's still room to occupy other dwellings within the facility subleasing subleasing this is what the problem was in Corinth they were a young church and, and they had a problem with, with uh, critical, being critical to others. They had a problem with being uh, sexual, sexually immoral, irrelevant and disrespectful of the Lord's Supper. They had a problem with uh, being distorted in, in their views of serving the church there. So they had, they had room for other things, although they were temples of God. And I wonder today, am I talking to anybody who, who looks at themselves as sacred, an honorable thing, but yet you still have room to sublease? other things in your life. I want you to understand that the devil wants your head and your heart. <laughs> and he wants it for rent free. But he can't have it. He 
can't have it because you're a sacred container. You belong to God. And the value of a container is determined by what it contains. Man, because of the Holy Spirit, your value has skyrocketed. Because of the Holy Spirit, I said your value has skyrocketed. Man, write this down. If you have a phone with you, if you have an iPhone, something to write with, maybe you didn't plan on that. I'll give you some time. But write this down. It's not going to be on the screen. Um, I want you to write down, get in your spirit. I have God's spirit. Yeah. Next point. So I have value. Which means God is close. I'll repeat it. I want you to write down. I have God's spirit. So I have value which means God is close. I have God's spirit, so I have value, which means, church, God is close. Let me help you illustrate this. I always try to make it plain. I'm always asking God to help me to make it plain. In the book, Irresistible, Andy Stanley depicts this illustration. I thought, man, I'll share this with the church. It doesn't come from me. God help me to see it. Most folks think of, thinks of Air Force One as a specific aircraft, right? But it's not. Air Force One is the call sign of the Air Force for the aircraft that carries the president. The aircraft can be anything, but we're accustomed to seeing the, the main big blue and white label it's usually a, a uh, Air Force One uses usually uses a, a multi-million dollar building of Boeing 747, which we familiarize with calling it Air Force One, but it's just a call sign. Air Force One could be a cheap single engine Cessna. We would call it in Oklahoma, if I can use my Oklahoma vernacular, because that's where I'm from. We would call it a crop duster. Air Force One could be that. Yeah. Whatever type of aircraft the president gets on at the time immediately becomes more valuable than the 747 that he usually flies on. So you, church, are just a single engine Cessna crop duster carrying most important value. And, 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 and we don't even recognize really that we have it all the time. Yeah, you have the most important passenger. And, and, and this is what you have to understand also. You are often surrounded by, seated by, served by, married to, work with, and raising single-engine Cessnas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, think about that. We'll never be close to the divine as we are next to someone who believes in Jesus Christ and has God in them. Amen. Yeah, that makes you a temple. You are just a temple. Flawed, but favored. Goofy, but God's choice. Mm, mm, mm. And God doesn't sublease our bodies to anything. He wants you all to himself. Whew. Mm. You might feel anxious, but you're anointed. <laughs> you may be discouraged and depressed, but that doesn't define who you are. 
you are defined by what's on the inside, church. Mm. So God, so God isn't, he isn't out there. He's not a God that's out there. He, he's a God that's in there and in there and in there and in there and there and there. See that little baby over there? He's a, he's a God that's in there. Row, but God is in there. Yeah, that's where God's at. So I want to share with you this last thing, and I'm going to let you go. Um, again, I want to make it plain, and I want to make it clear. Um, the value of what's inside is sacred. It's a sacred deposit. Um, I met a man um, many years ago. I was young, actually, and his testimony stayed with me, and he taught me the value of what's inside. I met him one day on a Saturday, on a Saturday morning. He goes by the name of Popeye. I know you don't know who he is. Um, Popeye is a sailor man. Popeye probably never talked with Jesus, never walked with Jesus, never, never claimed to even really know Jesus. But, but Popeye had a testimony that he wanted to convey to you this morning. Popeye did, does. Popeye was a sailor man, and Popeye had challenges within himself, and, and he, he had this guy named Bluto that always wanted to fight him. Always, always. Um, and, and, and Bluto always tried to beat him up. But when the challenges got to be too much for Popeye, Popeye would reach within. Everybody say within. He would reach in and pull out what? The spinach. And Popeye would juggle, he would guzzle this spinach down, and then, and then as, as once the spinach got inside, it made Popeye strong to the finish. And, and, and what, what he was battling, whatever he faced, Popeye was able to conquer because Popeye knew the secret that he had inside of him. If I could just get my spinach, if I could recognize that I need to take my spinach, if I would recognize all I'm trying to get you to say this morning, all I want you to see, all I want you to see is there's something sacred inside of you. There's something valuable inside of you. The container is valuable because of what it contains. And we have to recognize there's something in us that makes you a treasure. You have a light in you, the gospel. The Bible says that, that you are a light, that you, you are a, a, a treasure in earthen vessels. Woo, containing the glorious gospel. So greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world, right? Yeah. So what's inside of you, church? It's going to make you strong to the finish. Are you ready? Are you ready? Recognize what's inside of you. You are just a temple with pimples. Flawed but favored. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Agitated but anointed. doesn't know him yet as Lord and Savior. 
all says this, this morning that we need to recognize that God claims us. He wants to claim us as his own. And he's paid a high price to go out of his way. I've said it before, to bankrupt heaven so that you will be able to claim him as your own. God bankrupt heaven for you in the person of Jesus Christ. So you have the opportunity to say, God, I'm flawed, but I want to be favored today. With your head bowed, every eye closed, I don't want anyone looking around. I don't want anyone embarrassed at this time. I want to say a prayer. At the end of that prayer, I want you to keep your heads bowed. I want you to raise your hand if you said that prayer for the first time and you meant it. We're praying. Pray to yourself together. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'm flawed, but I believe what the pastor was saying this morning, that you've paid a high price for me. Forgive me. Help me to make heaven my home. I've decided to follow you today. It's as simple as that. If you can use anything, God, you can use me. With heads still bowed, eyes closed. Has anyone said that for the first time? Anyone? I'm not going to embarrass you anyone first time. God, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you today. Anyone? Anyone? For those of you that have a, a desire or something on your heart today, I want to close with prayer for you, and then we're out. Lord, I thank you for the time to share your word. I thank you for uh, what you're doing on the inside of us. Give us boldness for those that, that are, want to make a decision, but they're scared to make a decision. And help us, Lord, who have the different challenges in our lives. Help us to remember this week that um, greater is he who is in me. Help us to remember and recognize that you're on the inside, and that makes all the difference. So we ask that you be with us this week. Help us to remember, Lord. Help us to remember that we're, we have your spirit, so we have value, which means you're close. In Jesus' name we pray.